everyone, and welcome to Lensense, episode two, where today we're talking about the idea of loneliness. Both adoptive parents and adoptees struggle with this emotion, despite how many people are around them. So how should we address it? Let's look at this question more on today's episode. Okay, so why is this topic so important? (laughs) I know it. It's important. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, considering depression, isolation, poor drive, you know, all the things that result from loneliness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's uh, kind of a it's a hard topic sometimes to talk about because in today's society with, you know, everybody's got Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, <laughs> TikTok. It, we're kind of connected to the world, but um we still have these feelings of loneliness, you know, and and where does that come from and what does it, um, how do we address it? But it, it, yeah, it does. It, you know, I I read somewhere recently that said, you know, that today we're one of the most connected um, generations in history, um, but loneliness is on the rise and depression is on the rise. You know, there's all these mental health issues because people aren't, aren't connecting genuinely with each other. Yeah. I mean, I can tell you why I, feel disconnected even though I'm connected with a lot of people like I have over a thousand friends on Facebook which I know that's insane I need to like narrow that down (laughs) Um, but (laughs) I have met every single one of them (laughs) Um, but you know like I don't talk to like half of them Mm -hmm. probably way more than that actually there's actually just a small concentrated group that actually talk to me. Um, You know, in social media, it's obviously a public place. So you want to put on your best face. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, I I think part of it is just this time period where social media is such a like common it's almost like a common household appliance if you don't yeah. have it it's weird right. um, but I know, and it's like whenever we had a, a an appointment the other day and um the person that was gonna do the appointment I'm like searching for them on Facebook and <laughs> Instagram you know doing like the social media talk to see who's yes. this person what are they like yeah and when you can't find somebody you're like who are they why are they not on Facebook? <laughs> yeah it's weird if you don't if you can't find even like a fake profile of somebody you're kind of like it's weird that nobody knows you (laughs) um but but I think even before social media and technology became such a commonly used thing um I think there was still this huge disconnect within the adoptee community um Mm -hmm. I can't really speak for parents obviously but um in, in my own home like my mom um she definitely felt a little disconnected mm-hmm. just because all of us kids had a lot of like a wide range of problems uh-huh. um so I, I could tell and then I, I was kind of like the emotional support in the family <laughs> mm-hmm. um which you know you would think oh she's very in touch with her feelings because we can go to her but really that made me even more disconnected like oh i'm Mm -hmm. just here to make sure everybody's happy you're in touch with everybody else's feelings yes exactly (laughs) 
And I and I can tell you from the, the adoptive parent side that we struggle with the same thing. You know, it's I think the the hardest thing is when you're struggling with something, when you're you know frustrated or angry or sad or you know you just have a conglomerate of emotions and you try to share that with someone and you can tell right off the bat that they don't get it, they don't understand, you know, because they've never experienced it. And it can be the nicest, most genuine person in the world, but if they've not experienced it then you lack kind of that shared identity. You don't, you know, that you just, you know, going back to, well, you just, you know, don't, you don't understand, <laughs> you don't get it, you know, and you want somebody so desperately to get it and tell you that. And it's not so much that you want someone just to get it, but you want someone who gets it to tell you it's okay. And I, at least for me. And I think that was the thing that I struggled with was unless somebody really got it, they couldn't tell me that I was okay. And until someone that got it could tell me I was okay, I felt like I was losing the battle, you know, that I was inadequate, that I was failing, that I, you know, wasn't going to measure up, I wasn't going to be good enough. And I imagine it's, you know, similar emotions on the adoptee side. Yeah, very much so. I mean, my, my therapy sessions were basically my therapist saying like, Lilia, I see you. And me just bawling my eyes out like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, no, nobody really sees me. That That's weird. And uh-huh. it sounds like a weird concept too. Like, why would your therapist say, I see you? <laughs> but uh-huh. you probably understand exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Like, it, it's the, just... The real you. Yeah, it's nice to have somebody supporting you and not like be part of your world exactly you know like this third party coming in and saying like okay let's focus on you and solely you and um dive into why you've been feeling the way you've been feeling Mm -hmm. um and like you're important you know there's no Mm -hmm. distractions of okay well we got to get through our day it's all like therapy was just all focused on helping you (laughs) and it's like it's nice and I know it's not realistic for everybody but I would encourage every adoptee and every adoptive parent to seek therapy whether you feel good or not you know like you don't have to feel bad (laughs) yeah every human as well (laughs) but we're kind of we're focused on adoptions yeah well and there's there's such a stigma about it that if you go and talk to someone, it means you're weak or it means you're less than, or it means you can't handle things. And that's, that's the furthest thing from the truth. You know, that it's, it's not about how weak you are or how inadequate you are. It's about having focused time to really address um, the things that you're feeling, that you're, that you're thinking those, whether it's, you know, sometimes we have distorted thoughts about ourselves, about our reality, about things. And, we need someone to help us put that into perspective. Um, and so I'm all about, you know, going to talk to someone. And, um, but I love that you talked about just, you know, you being the focus there, because it's, you know, in life, we don't want to burden other people with our issues. You know, people ask us, you know, what's going on? And we're like, oh, it's nothing, you know, because we don't want to burden them because we don't feel that we're, you know, important enough to to place our burden on someone else's shoulders. And that's a really sad way to live, you know, as a, as a Christian, I think about scripture that tells us to, you know, to carry one another's burdens. And it's not just about me going out and saying, Hey, let me carry your burden. It's also about me saying, Hey, will you help me carry my burden? We have to learn to do that. 
Yeah. Um, and speaking of, you know, the Christian community, <laughs> you know, a lot of why I felt like I couldn't talk to anybody was because of my own personal beliefs. Mm-hmm. Like the idea of, well, I'm here to help other people. That's the Great Commission. So why would I, you know, like, it's not mm-hmm. a a right train of thinking, but in my mind, mm-hmm. I was like, I can take care of myself later or like, oh, these aren't really problems. Like I'm mm-hmm. breathing, I'm living. Why would I need to explore my feelings? Like mm-hmm. just push, just push through and you'll be fine. Um, yeah. You know, and and you know those like, are all wonder, like false. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if some of those feelings are the result of being conditioned by this attitude from, you know, mostly, you know, Christian communities towards adoption, that adoption is the rescue story. You know, things were bad. Now you're, now things should be good. You know, yeah. you're in home, people love you. What do you have to complain about? You know, it's kind of this, you should just be grateful attitude, which we talked about the last episode. And I wonder if that yeah. conditioning kind of limits that ability. I mean, I definitely took it that far in my mind. Um, I don't think it was necessarily like society telling me um, just more so like I, w- I was so grateful for my situation and I, I did have other people to compare myself to like, oh, you know, there's so many people not getting adopted or, you know, there's so many people within the community that I would have grown up in that are mm-hmm. in way worse conditions as far Mm -hmm. as like their living um and so I could say I should be really grateful because I could be in a way different situation that I wouldn't necessarily I mean maybe I wouldn't even survive you know Mm -hmm. um so I think just the idea of what could have been really motivated my (laughs) you know way of thinking Mm -hmm. into what became toxic for myself (laughs) yeah and and it's you know it's good to be thankful it's good to to recognize and compare you know things could could be worse you know um I, i think that that's good it's healthy but at the same time it should never overshadow you know, those feelings, those other feelings that we have that may conflict with those emotions. Um, I try to tell my kids all the time, you know, you can have two emotions that feel opposite. You can have two emotions that don't seem like they go together. That's, (laughs) that's the complexity of the human brain and the human mind. We can feel a lot of different things at the same time and we don't need to ignore those. We need to validate those emotions. Um, Yeah, I I think exactly that. Um, Like if anybody's wondering how they can help their adoptee, like my mom, when I was about 18, I was struggling, you know, with a relationship and just bawling my eyes out. And she was like, you know, Lilia, you have every reason to be sad and depressed and really down. And I'm like, what are you talking about? like I have a good life she's like yeah but you know you could have had a different life you mm-hmm. you didn't grow up with the the family that you were born from 
mm-hmm. you know, and it really didn't dawn on me until my mom was saying those words, like she was validating, you know, what, what I had been feeling mm-hmm. that a, sense a large of majority of my life. I didn't realize I was since feeling that loss until she said that I was like, you know, I've always felt a little sad <laughs> and like mm-hmm. alone. And I, maybe I knew it subconsciously. I just never wanted to point it out because I f- felt selfish. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I never wanted to be selfish. That was, that was, I think that was partly my personality, but, you know, also like we were yeah. talking about, maybe I was conditioned. I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. I think it's some, you know, some of all of that and having people around us to validate the, those feelings, those emotions, I think definitely helps with that sense of loneliness. Um, I know for me, you know, there's times where I get, you know, frustrated or feel like, you know, oh my goodness, I can't, I can't handle this. I can't do this. This is too hard or, you know, or whatever. And I'll send a message to a friend, you know, um, the thing I hate most about being connected with our adopted community is that we're spread out. There's, there's not many people locally, you know, that you can go get coffee with or, um, you know, but I send messages out, you know, Facebook to some friends and get some encouragement there. And it's, um, that helps to, to kind of, um, curb that sense of, of I'm all, I'm all alone in this because, you know, we have some people that can talk to us, but, but yeah, I think that it's, it's hard, um, dealing with all those emotions one without people validating them without people who who we care about validating you know it's it's one thing to have your therapist validate those emotions it's good you know we should but at the same time we also want the people in our most intimate circles to validate those emotions we want you know as a parent adoptive parent I want my kids who I know they're going through struggles I know they're having things I want them to also validate you know my my shortcomings and my fears and my sense of inadequacy, which is a lot to put on them because they're kids. And so I, I know I can't expect that, but it doesn't change the fact that I desire it sometimes, you know. Um, but for, you know, I imagine for them at the same time, they want someone to validate, particularly us, their siblings, their aunts, their uncles, their grandparents to validate that sense of loss because it's it's normal and healthy and and okay for them to fantasize and think you know what things would have been like if they hadn't been adopted if they had stayed in their bio family if everything had been turned out okay if they had you know bio mom had gotten support and they had those connections that sense of longing is is normal and it's and we need to tell our kids that that's okay to feel that you know that that sense of loss is is normal it's okay um you know it as an adoptive parent who loves my kids as if they weren't adopted, you know, I love them. They're mine, you know, I, with all of my heart and soul. Um, I recognize that they have, they have their own story too, you know, and, and they've got to process that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's all I have to say to that is, yeah, I agree. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> um, um, so I guess my next question is, you know, when do you start seeking, um, I mean, we already kind of talked about like when you should seek 
therapy that's anytime <laughs> yeah <laughs> yesterday actually uh yeah. you're, <laughs> you have an f <laughs> yeah <laughs> anyways um no but when, when do you think uh people should start you know considering maybe your child or maybe you as a parent need some like chemical help <laughs> yeah <laughs> Hello, chemical help. No, we're not advocating drug use, people. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, medication, it, that's all it's, you know, you struggle with saying it because it feels so taboo. You know, we live yeah. in a society that tells us, you know, don't take the, don't take the psychotropics, you know, um, but they're helpful. And sometimes they're, they're necessary. You know, Lily, I told you before we got started on today's episode that um, I came across a t-shirt that said, you know, if you can't make your own store-bought spine, you know, it's about the dopamine, you know, happy hormones. <laughs> so um, I, as a person who, who takes medication, I'm all for it. Um, no, <laughs> um, the three people in our household of six are on medication. Um, and I know that it has helped us because, um, you know, if, you know, if you get a cold, you go and you take medicine for your cough and for your sore throat. Um, sometimes, you know, our emotional responses to things or the things we're struggling with or our, um, our, we may have a narrow window of tolerance. Things stress us out easier than they do other people, you know. Um, and so medication helps with that. And I think it's important to recognize that you don't take a medicine to feel good. It's, you know, when you take, you know, these psychotropics, when you take these medications, they're not, they're not making, you know, they're not, it's not like you're taking emotion in a pill form. You're taking medication that helps your brain process emotion better and more efficiently. Um, so, and I don't want to get too sciencey, but basically in your brain, you've got, you know, a whole bunch of neurons that have to communicate to each other. And so when your neurons produce, you know, dopamine or serotonin or all these different hormones that affect our emotions, um, whenever they go to the end of that neuron and they have to go to the next one, which is where communication happens, which is when we actually feel the result of those chemicals in our brain, um, there can be uh, malfunctions there. There can be issues where one neuron can't receive the, the communication of those neurotransmitters or one neuron um, is not putting enough out or too many of them are going or being um, uh, this uh, reuptake is being brought back into the same neuron. And so when there's issues with that communication, we need medication to help us process that so it's not about you know oh i'm just sad all the time i'm going to take a pill to make me feel happy we say that but the the real issue is that it's helping the cells in our brain the neurons in our brain to work more efficiently and effectively so that we can produce we can process our emotions like everybody else um and I, people don't realize that chronic stress trauma all of these different things affect the way those neurons communicate and so it's not just that, oh, all of a sudden my brain's not working right. It's the fact that I've had stress for the past 20 years, or I went through some trauma as a kid, or, you know, I missed development, or this happened, or that happened. But all of those environmental influences can cause cell malfun malfunction. That's when the, the cells, those neurons start functioning incorrectly. And yeah. so, you know, that's my science spiel, but <laughs> well, no, I think it's important to talk about the science behind it. And for people who don't understand what Seth just said, basically, sometimes your brain does not function properly 
and it, it is a chemical imbalance like you actually need to fix that um and the best way is medicine sometimes mm-hmm. you know like and i think there's a, a whole movement of like natural doing everything naturally you know and i don't discourage that but i do want people to like educate themselves a whole lot before Mm -hmm. they decide oh this is not right for me or my child like Mm -hmm. you know like that this could be the difference between life and death later in life for Mm -hmm. whoever maybe have it has an imbalance because you know if we look at the the rates of suicide Mm -hmm. with and, and depression not just suicide within the adoptee community like it's very high oh yeah it is it very is. high. Um, and so I'm not like trying to encourage people to like put their kids on pills, <laughs> but I am trying to <laughs> yeah. say like, you know, like it is important to educate yourself on why. Yeah. Don't take it off the table. Um, yeah. I don't think it, I don't think it should ever just be the, the go-to like, you know, Oh, oh no, I'm, I'm sad For sure. you know, this week. Let me go get some medicine. Um, I don't think it yeah. should be that we, you know, we need to practice self-care, get enough sunlight, make sure we're moving our bodies, uh, make sure we're socializing, make sure we have habit, um, hobbies. And, um, so there are a lot of things that we can do naturally to kind of help our brains produce more of those yeah. hormones. Um, and to help regulate those imbalances, but sometimes that's not enough. And for some of us, Mm -hmm. the self-care may be really difficult to come by, you know, for families that have multiple kids, particularly with multiple kids with issues, it's so much harder, Mm -hmm. you know, to get outside and get in the sun, to make time to go for a walk, you know, because you're just exhausted all the time, um, because of the mental energy that goes in there. And so I I definitely think we need to work on taking away that stigma, particularly because of the, the prevalence of that loneliness and, you know, and related depression in the adoptive communities, whether you're an adoptee or an adoptive parent, um, because yes, suicide rates are high and they seem to be growing across the board with all different demographics, you know, um, Mm-hmm. it's it's disheartening to look at the statistics and see you know how things have you know how suicide has grown death by suicide has grown in pretty much every demographic across the board in the past yeah. generation in the past 10 years that's true yeah oh the, the places that <laughs> i was gonna say oh the the places that loneliness can take a person you know yeah. like it, it's Ooh. a very serious thing, um, mm-hmm. but it, it but we it, it's not something that we should be afraid to talk about, you know, just because right. it's hard to talk about maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, I, I would encourage adoptive families to talk about it. Um, yeah, definitely. Especially if you're you're the parent, like if you experience this feelings like if you're not comfortable talking about it with your kids, like that's when I'd say like, okay, let's see a therapist now, (laughs) you know, like you should be comfortable talking about it with your kids. Cause what if they're going through that? Um, Cause you know, know, I'll say as an adoptive parent, I'm going to speak as an adoptive parent here. um, I think one thing that we struggle with is that sometimes life is just really complicated and draining and all of the emotional issues are draining and you just feel so emotionally tired and spent. And I think sometimes adoptive parents 
and really parents in general, but we're speaking to yeah. the adopted community right now, they go, they get into a, into a um, place where they're so drained that when they see the signs, you know, they see the, the symptoms in their kids, um, if it's not like a big fire, like if they're not actively, you know, trying to commit suicide or they are not actively, you know, setting things on fire or causing big problems, if they're in their room quiet with the door shut, we don't worry. We don't, we don't investigate. We don't check on that. Um, you know, I'll tell a personal story the other night, um, my daughter, and she struggles with some anxiety sometimes. And the other night she was in the kitchen, um, getting something to eat. And she actually knocked a, a pan of, uh, chicken Parmesan off the counter onto the floor. And my wife had just mopped the floor in the kitchen, you know, and so, <laughs> oh, there's, no. you know, you know, everybody, and everybody heard it. it was a loud noise. And so everybody's like, you know, what happened? What's going on? And our dog has, um, has a form of epilepsy and he's not supposed to eat table food because it can it, uh, cause them, you know, whatever. <laughs> so I hear her saying, you know, no, get back, you know, to the dog. And um, <laughs> my wife is like, you know, she's, you know, what, what happened? What's going on? And so this, my daughter, she gets really overwhelmed because she's trying to keep the dog away. She's trying to clean up. She feels like she's just upset her mom and, and disappointed her mom. And so I hear her, you know, getting that in her her tone and her voice. And then she goes to her room and I hear her crying in her room. So I called her and I said, Hey, you know, come in here with me. And so she comes in and she goes, I just want to be alone right now. And she was bawling. And I said, you know, I understand you want to be alone, but I don't want you to be alone right now. And she should really struggle with that because our first recourse, our first thought is to go and be by ourselves because we don't want to burden other people. And eventually yeah. came out and she was like, I just feel like I'm, I'm, you know, that I, I'm upsetting mom and I can't do anything right. And I'm just, you know, making it bad for everybody. And I just want a good day. And all of those thoughts and emotions came out and I was able to kind of, you know, say, hey, I know it feels like that sometimes, but you know, you know, that we love you, that you're never burdened and things just happen. And, and I was able to kind of talk to her through that, you know, and we practiced, she was like, I can't breathe. She was about to have a panic attack because she has anxiety. And so I'm, you know, going through things with her about, you know, let's take some deep breaths in and let's blow on our hands, you know, to have some steady breath, um, practicing some different strategies there to help, you know, calm her. Um, but after about 10, 15 minutes, she was good. We had a good conversation about how to process those emotions so that we don't get overwhelmed. And, you know, her first response was, I don't know what to do. And I, you know, I can't <laughs> do that. But as parents, we have, you know, I could have laid in bed and, and, you know, played on words with friends and scrolled Facebook <laughs> and, and rested because I'd had a kind of a long day, you know, and I could have just let her cry it out in her room, but I recognize that's not healthy for her. And so, you know, I took the time to invest and make sure that she was okay. And I'm not saying that parents don't do that, or they're just, you know, everybody's lazy because they don't go check on their kids. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that it's important for us to recognize isolatory behaviors. And when our kids begin to isolate, repeatedly because of situations like that, either they're overwhelmed or they're stressed out. We need to look and see how can we support them and help them. Um, and so if she ends up needing some medication to help her control that, then yeah, we're going to go ask the doctor for it. Um, but I need to pay attention as an adoptive parent to those signs and symptoms because my kids, they're too young to understand that, that all they can yeah. think is everything's crazy. I just want to go be by myself right now. And they don't realize that that can create an unhealthy habit. Yeah, an unhealthy habit and like 
an unhealthy validation because like if nobody's noticing then they're probably thinking well this is how it should be because right. it, it, it reaffirms those negative <laughs> yeah thoughts, exactly those negative self-images yeah it makes them think well you know you know no one's coming to talk to me no one's you know it right. must be true i must be a burden you know this must be you know a factual this this feeling that i have um yeah. and we have to realize that you know that our kids are developing their perspective on life. And when we let them continually affirm these negative self images, we're setting them up for even greater failure and loneliness in the future. When it comes to their relationships, when it comes to their self image, when it comes to their self esteem, um, we've got to work on making sure that they've got the building blocks and the foundations they need to see themselves in a healthy way. I mean, you just described my life, but that's okay. Um, (laughs) I will say, though, like, nothing against my mom, but she was a single mom. So, you know, I didn't have that family support at home um, because she was working or she was sleeping. Mm -hmm. Like, she did 12-hour shifts at a time. um, Yeah. And she worked usually at least an hour away. (laughs) That sounds like me, working or sleeping except you have to add eating eating in there because (laughs) yeah she was eating as well i could tell you her favorite go-to carbs (laughs) yeah does she hide food because i hide my food so i don't have to no but her like go-to comfort food was the sara lee pound cakes that you get in the freezer section and she would just eat them by the the pan you know they were about to say gallon I wasn't going to say gallon. <laughs> Anyways, I'm just putting my mom on blast. <laughs> yeah. This episode, let's talk about... <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> if she's listening, I love you, mom. <laughs> yeah. um, but I no, like, I... I <laughs> yeah, I, I will say that, like, I definitely was affected because I didn't have you know, in, throughout my adolescence, the validation, like it wasn't until I was ni- 18, 19 that my mm-hmm. mom gave me that validation. And, and at that time she had the time to, because she wasn't working, um, mm-hmm. hospital hours. She was working at a clinic. Um, and so she had a, a whole lot more time to devote to, and, and I was the last one. So like, I was a little bit spoiled, (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but, but yeah, it it definitely affected me into my young adulthood, like, cause I did hit that bottom, that depression. Mm -hmm. Like I spent days, months in my room isolated. Um, Mm -hmm. And I felt like, what's the point? Like I, I'm nothing like all the things that you hear in like the movies or tv shows about depression like they don't exaggerate Mm -hmm. right (laughs) like it's not a dramatic telling like that's literally what people go through right they become shut in they become Mm -hmm. so isolated that they feel like they have no purpose they have no drive um Mm -hmm. and that they don't belong here right it gets into that dangerous zone of like okay what's next Right. And I want to clarify, because I feel like some people could be listening and say, you know, well, what if what if I'm just an introvert and I like having my me time, my alone time? Well, I'm an introvert and I like having me time and alone time. (laughs) But we need to recognize the difference between me time that can be healthy and isolation that's not healthy. And, you know, I think about, you know, 
I love coffee, you know, and you put a pot of coffee on and you, you know, drink that first cup when it comes out, particularly me, I like to let the coffee pot sit for a little while and come back a couple hours later and get that really thick, steep, strong coffee, because the longer it sits, the stronger it gets. And I think that's important (laughs) to recognize about our emotions is when we sit isolated in our emotions, the stronger those emotions get. Okay. And it's important that we recognize that we don't yeah. need to isolate ourselves and steep in our emotions. Um, you know, we need to reg- we need to distinguish between the healthy me time and the unhealthy isolation. If I'm getting me time and it's and I'm sitting there wallowing in self pity, if I'm getting me time and it's filled with my tears from sadness about situations, if I'm getting me time and it's filled with you know, all of these thoughts about how I did everything wrong today and, and made probably everybody mad or upset all that my family or, you know, whatever those thoughts may be. If my me time is not enjoyable, then that's isolation. My me time should be enjoyable. It should be rest and recoup. That is a good point. Yeah. And so I just think it's important for us to recognize that. So when I have me time, I'm usually sitting there you know, laughing at the funny side of TikTok or, you know, or I, I keep a, an album on my phone of funny memes and my kids make fun of me because they're like, you've already seen the meme, but I can go to the same one over and over again and laugh my head off. <laughs> and I just like to go to that album. I believe and that. Go through, <laughs> and go through and find the memes that I think are funny or the videos. And not everybody has the same humor as me. So like, I'll show something to my wife or the kids and they're like, that's not funny, dad. Or, or <laughs> Ashley tells me all the time, you have the strangest TikTok. Uh, yeah, uh, you do it's like llamas. <laughs> I tell llamas. you that though all the time. Right, because my million TikToks I send you at midnight. I'm like, but, what? Um, where do you find these? But it's like llamas jumping or chickens, you know, running like I saw one of the other day and this guy walks out and he calls us chickens and they all come running towards him but you see them just kind of waddling really fast and I laughed for probably five minutes over that <laughs> but yes me time should be enjoyable if it's not enjoyable you're isolating and you need to come up with something different to do <laughs> yes you know I actually never thought about it that way but that's very true um and, and like I still spend a lot of time alone, <laughs> um, but it's not like it used to be. I'm not like crying my eyes out. <laughs> Sad uh-huh. to be here. Um, it's more like I'm, I, I try to do something productive, um, especially. Yeah. And, so, and it's okay if you need to process, you know, some people say, well, I need to process. Well, go walk your neighborhood and process. Get out and process. Go for a drive and process. Don't go and sit in your bed with the lights off and the fan on with a box of tissues and process. (laughs) Why not? No, I I I would also unless you're watching yes I love you. (laughs) That is such a sad movie though. Don't watch that. (laughs) Um no I I would say um you know journaling uh yeah Uh, I mean, you can also multi, I mean, I like to multitask when I'm processing. So if I'm not journaling, Mm -hmm. I might be talking out loud. (laughs) Yeah. Um, No, that's good. Journaling is good. uh, Just don't sit and I try to phone a friend. Um, Right. That's good. Well, okay. If if I'm crying or having a panic attack, I'm phoning a friend because like, Mm -hmm. I don't need to be alone in that moment. Um, I mean, sometimes when I'm crying, sure, I can be alone, but Uh But if it's something like, 
that's really bothering me I, I will call somebody and that's really hard to like pushing yeah. yourself to do something when you want to stay alone like <laughs> yes and Lily I need to you said you know you phone a friend I would I, I would encourage everybody to make sure that their friends realize that there's a potential <laughs> for them to call them with an issue um, I'm not going to say who it is, but someone close to me was having a, was struggling at one time and called a friend and was like, look, I'm, you know, I don't want to live anymore. I'm struggling with this. And the friend didn't believe him. They're like, oh, you're joking. And this is, you know, they thought it was, they didn't believe them. And so the call ended and this person called the suicide hotline and lit, they put her on hold. <laughs> No, and I've heard of that many times, and I'm. It, we shouldn't laugh at it, but but it's kind of morbidly funny. The idea of calling the suicide horrible. hotline and then getting put on hold. I mean, I can't imagine dealing with those thoughts and then sitting there listening. They must to not hold have music. a lot of people. Working. I know that's the sad part is they don't have enough people to answer all the calls, which lets you know that a lot of people are struggling with yeah. this a lot of people are struggling so let your friends know that if you call say look yeah. <laughs> i could call you at some point please don't think i'm joking or make yeah me uh, that's a good yes that is a good preface because um uh, you know not everybody knows my story like my friends know my history they know mm-hmm. like and i don't really i haven't really talked about it too publicly about like my panic attacks but like um in the last year I I started having them um but like even before that I'd have moments where I I would just cry and Mm -hmm. I knew I didn't need to be alone so I I have two accountability partners but then I have like probably three or four friends that um I've just called to cry like I'll Mm -hmm. I'll, they'll answer they'll be like yeah what's going on I'm like (laughs) you know like that ugly cry and they're like it's okay I'm here like Mm -hmm. you don't have to talk about it just cry I'm with you you know like they they understand um so I would and it's so much so that like I called one of my friends the other day just to like say hi um and then he couldn't answer so he texted me back and he was like hey i'm sorry i'm on the other line mm-hmm. like what's going on what's wrong <laughs> and i was like nothing's wrong i was just calling to say happy <laughs> easter <laughs> you know it's like sad when it's that to that point where you know anyways but also Poor i'm, I'm <laughs> yeah also i'm 30 though and you know i don't call my friends every day um mm-hmm. And I, I recently moved, so I don't, none of my friends are close to me. So when I do call them, it it is on the occasion. It's not um, something regular. (laughs) And I will say that something else to talk, to speak to that is make sure that you have like more than one lifeline. Yes. You know, it's just because you call the one and they, they're busy or they can't come to the phone or their phone's dead or whatever. Um, or may, they may be having their own crisis. I Like I, I've yeah. been there, you know, when I was a missionary in Bolivia, you know, I was on call basically 24 seven. And, mm-hmm. you know, I had so many people that would come to me and say, hey, I'm, you know, I'm struggling with this. Can you pray with me? Can you help me with this? Or can you help me with that? And there were times where I was having my own crisis and it crushed me to like, to like, you know, 
what do you call it when you don't <laughs> you don't answer the phone deny a call and <laughs> you know because I just I couldn't I didn't have the emotional ability there and I think we need to we need to realize that other people may be struggling too and yeah and they're not responsible for not not to like make you more depressed but, but they yeah. aren't responsible for your um emotional right. support but they do want to be there if they can right. exactly <laughs> And so it's good to have a, a couple people, a couple different people that you can, yeah. you know, focus on that. And I would say build depth, not breadth, you know, like make sure that you are, you know, building depth with your friends, talk about things, be vulnerable with them and yes. find the relationships where you can be vulnerable, where you can, at, particularly for our, the guys out there, I think it's harder for them. If you're an adoptee yeah. and you're male, if you're an adoptive dad, um, if you're a brother to an adoptee or, you know, whatever your relationship is, find someone that you can be vulnerable with. That's a, a big lack for a lot of men is because we're yeah. scared to be vulnerable and we need to have, I've got several guys that I can call up. I can message and say, look, I'm a mess. I'm balling. You know, I've got snot all over my face because <laughs> I'm just <laughs> crying so much, you know, and I know that there's not going to be judgment. They're not going to come back and say, oh, you know, you're weak or, you know, whatever. They're going to recognize that we have feelings and emotions too. So particularly for the men out there, please make sure you have someone that you can be vulnerable with. Um, but yeah, all of us, we need several people and we need depth there. Yeah. What would you say to people who like only have one or two friends? Um, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard because yeah. I, that, that was, that's me a, a lot of times, you know, when we moved back to the States from Bolivia, it was a struggle because we moved to a different city than where we were from originally. No one really knew us. Even still, we've been here three years and there's no one we know who's known us longer than three years, you know, around us. And so it's, it feels isolating. It feels lonely. It's, it's difficult to, to identify those people because you know, you can, you can't just talk to anybody. You've got to find someone that you can identify with, that you click with, that, you know, that you, some similarities there when it comes to sense of humor and conversations and people that you just, you know, that you mesh well with. And it's hard to find that. So, but I would encourage people, don't be afraid to connect um, in different ways, unorthodox ways. You know, we spent a little bit of time talking about the dangers of social media, but there's also some, some goods to it. I've connected um, you know, two of, there's two families that are really dear friends to us that we met online and we ended up going uh, on vacation with one of the families and we went and just randomly went and stayed with the other family in their house. <laughs> you just we blindly like, trusted them. Right. We were like, please don't kill us. <laughs> uh, but we really liked you online. So, no, but, and it's not that crazy. I mean, we spent a lot of time talking, but there are other adoptive families. We went through similar processes. We both, we all adopted from Columbia. So there were all these connections, you know, but it was, but those, you know, one of those families, actually both of those families, the men I was able to connect with, and we kind of, we have these good relationships where we can call and one in particular, you know, probably twice a month, maybe we send prayer requests to each other and pray for each other. And, and it's, we need that. And yeah. I, I would never have made that connection if it weren't for stepping out and, and meeting people in a community, in an adoption community group, and then messaging and saying, Hey, you know, and then kind of, going back and forth and building this relationship through, through messages. Um, that's just the world that we live in. And sometimes the people that can relate to us best are, aren't going to be down the road for us to meet in yeah. person. 
Um, I, I would say um, for those that have social media, like utilize it. Um, I've made friends in Facebook groups. If, if you're struggling with making friends, uh, maybe you just moved somewhere. Um, and this goes for me as well. Like find a, fa- a local Facebook group where they have meetups. Um, and, and it's like something that you enjoy, maybe a hobby, maybe like you like going out to the theater, just whatever it is or Disney. Like I've joined several Disney groups. Stop judging me. Um, (laughs) but I'm not judging. That's how you found your husband. That's how I found my husband. I've, I've made some really good friends that if I ever go to like New Orleans or Orlando, like they've asked me to meet up with them. And Mm -hmm. vice versa, I've I've asked to meet up with them. (laughs) Um, And, and, you know, like it's possible to form, like you were saying, strong relationships with people that you don't know in person, um, but that you could potentially meet in person. Yeah. And for those that don't have social media. Yeah, definitely be careful. Like, I don't don't have any other advice other than be careful because (laughs) I really don't know you know like it then it comes down to like your personality don't know how to be careful but be careful <laughs> i don't know how to t- tell you to be careful <laughs> is what i'm saying like you know just i don't know what your vibe is people <laughs> yeah. but no if, if you don't have social media or like you hate that kind of thing the same thing applies if you have an interest find it go mm-hmm. go out and do it if you like going to the park go out to the park yeah. if you enjoy like going out to the park with your dog there's like so many people that go out with their dogs um and there's lots of community things that people don't realize google it look at yes look up your local community activities because i even in my small town in georgia like my hometown like they have so many things going on like as in also small town it's impossible not to talk to anybody like you're gonna get stopped by somebody in a small town but I'm in like a bigger city now and Mm -hmm. there's always something my coworkers always saying like hey you going to the festival next weekend I'm like yeah had one what are you talking about (laughs) there's Mm -hmm. there's a festival for everything um but like you know there's so many activities that that don't have a lot of people if you're very introverted like like mm-hmm. I said, going to the park, like yeah, you check your local mind. library. Um, that was one thing library, I loved. Our that's library, a good one. A food club, and it was great. And yes. there's a there's a group here in in our hometown that I love. It's it's mostly um, older ladies, but it's called the Red Hat Society. <laughs> and I think it's sounds like an old places. lady. <laughs> but oh, they go out to eat at like the the country buffet <laughs> and stuff, and they all have their red hats on. And sometimes it looks like you know you're at the derby. Oh, that is cute. Hats and feathers and everything, but there's something for everybody. You know, there's, there's always something yeah. out there if you look for it and you, you'd be amazed at the fun you can have just connecting, you know, yes. through those things. I mean, and, and if you go to church, definitely pick up a flyer. Like yes. your church exactly. is doing something. There's a group for everything. <laughs> like my, my church in Arkansas, they had like an elderly group that would go out to eat every week. I think it was like mm-hmm. on a Monday or something. I don't know like but anybody was invited you didn't have to be an old person (laughs) right like (laughs) they loved having visitors um i don't know Mm -hmm. there's just there's so many there's no excuse not to get put yourself out there i know it's hard you got to be proactive you got to be assertive yourself and and yeah yeah and and i was it i 
am giving that advice from like advice that I was given for dating. Like mm-hmm. I was like, how do, how do people meet their significant others? And my friend was saying like, just go and do activities that you enjoy and you'll make friends. Mm-hmm. And from those friends, you might, you know, meet the person you spend the rest of your life with. Yeah. Um, and, and like I said, it doesn't have to be in person. You could do it in a Facebook group. That's how I met my husband. <laughs> but, you know, like um, I definitely would say when we say be careful, we just mean like, uh, you know, like personal safety. Don't say, yeah. You know, check, check them out. You know, don't just meet up with someone that you just met online and you don't know anything about them. Have some phone calls, some FaceTime, some, you know, yeah. just have some questions to ask. Uh, and like, you need to answer them yourself too. But you know, like, yeah. Um, just just google some questions questions to ask when you meet people or you know like on a first date even if it's not like a romantic thing still look up the dating questions because they're great for Mm -hmm. building friendships as well yeah well I think we're about out of time so we're gonna cut it there but um, I really enjoyed um, this episode I like this discussion today yeah (laughs) same (laughs) All right, well, uh, we're going to sign off. Thank you all for listening and catch us again next week. Bye.